Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Rebecca F., and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Monday, January twentieth, two 2014. Today we are reading from the Big Book, and we are in Chapter 1, Bill's Story on page 12. We will revisit the two paragraphs beginning with My Friend Suggested, and then move on to where we left off with the fourth paragraph, beginning with It Was Only a Matter, and focus on that paragraph. Today's readers are as follows. Reading the OA 12 Steps is Janice M. Reading the OA 12 Traditions is Berta. And reading the text are Rick, Esther, and Judy B. The share ID for Sunday January 19th is 5792. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Janice M. to read the OA 12 Steps. Well, good morning to you, Rebecca. My name is Janice um, M., and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. These are the 12 Steps of OA. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us 
and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Pass. Thank you, Janice M. I will now ask Berta to read the OA 12 Traditions. Good morning. This is Berta, Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Illinois. The 12 Traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God, as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous, except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you, Berta. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today, 
we resume our study of the big book in Chapter 1, Bill's Story, on page 12. For context, first we will revisit the two paragraphs prior to where we left off, beginning with My Friend Suggested. Then we will pick up with and focus on the fourth paragraph, beginning with It's Only a Matter. I will ask Rick to begin reading. Good morning. My name is Rick. I am a recovered compulsive overeater. My friend suggested what then seemed a novel idea. He said, why don't you choose your own conception of God? That statement hit me hard. It melted the icy intellectual mountain in whose shadow I had lived and shivered many years. I stood in the sunlight at last. It was only a matter of being willing to believe in a power greater than myself. Nothing more was required of me to make my beginning. I saw that growth could start from that point. Upon a foundation of complete willingness, I might build what I saw in my friend. Would I have it? Of course I would. Well, this is a uh, a great a great part in the book, and I'll start with what we revisited where it says, why don't you choose your own conception of God? And what I believe Bill was saying here, how he was interpreting Ebby's suggestion, was to start with whatever belief Bill had in God. Ebby was not saying, make up a God, uh, create a God out of thin air or design a God or um, list qualities you want for God. Uh, we hear that in rooms, and that may work for some people, but that's not what's being said here. What's being said here is Evie's telling Bill to start with his own conception. And in the pre preceding paragraph, Bill was saying what he could go for and what he couldn't. I could go for creative, intelligent, universal mind or spirit of nature, but I resisted the thought of a czar of the heavens. So he was going through his own thoughts of seeing what he could accept and what he couldn't. If we go back to page 10, Bill says, I had always believed in a power greater than myself. We go a little further down. Bill said, I had little doubt that a mighty purpose and rhythm underlay it all. And Bill said he was not an atheist. What Evie was telling Bill to do was start with where you're at. And Bill says, nothing more was required of me to make my beginning. So Bill took his own ideas about God, what he felt comfortable with, and that's where he was going to begin. That was, was going to be how he got the ball rolling on his journey towards getting to know God. Bill wasn't inventing a God. Bill was using what was deep down inside him, as we read later on in the book, uh, inside every man, a woman, a child, there's a fundamental idea of God. That's where Bill was instructed to make his beginning. And then he was able to build what he saw in his friend. Growth could start from that point. That's what 
that's where the willingness came in and Bill was going to go forward with the directions that Evie passed on to him and that's how he was going to develop his relationship with God. So I'll pass with that. Thanks. Thank you, Rick. Would anyone else like to share um, the paragraph beginning with, It Was Only a Matter? Lorna from Pittsburgh. Lorna <laughs> from Pittsburgh. And Paula. Elaine. Paula. And Elaine. And Janice. Lauren S. from Pittsburgh. Lauren, you were the first person. Oh, okay. So okay. I have Lauren, Paula, Elaine, uh, and Janice. Was there someone else? Barbara. Barbara. Okay, let's go with those in that order. So, Lauren, you're first. Okay. Uh, Lauren, <clears throat> Lauren S. Pittsburgh recovered from compulsive overeating. To so to my to my knowledge, on this page twelve. This is one of the first, if if not the first, instances where Bill begins to use squiggly writing. So he's choosing this this step, this step, because this might this must be one of the areas where they have seen men fall and relapse. This must have been a step that he really wants to to stick out in the book. Why don't you choose your own conception of God? And um, uh, also, to to my, in my opinion, it was that Bill was an agnostic. But if you are an atheist on the line, and you're reading this, still um, going through the steps, or still a newcomer, we will read later. There's a chapter that discusses how there is hope for atheists called the agnostics, but Bill, Bill is saying here, why don't you choose your own conception of God? It was What was helpful for me when I was going through these pages the first time was um, I was directed to do this direction. It says, if you're having trouble with the conception of God, try one of these words that are capitalized on this page and also on page 46 in um we agnostics circle them while reading as you find them. Um, and so one of the words I circled that we read was God, and then I circled power. And for me, using the, the concept higher power was a lot easier than God because I had prejudice against the um, the word God when I came in at the time. Um, and also this paragraph it was only a matter of being willing, is where Bill's second step begins. It's where Bill's second step begins. So I was taught that his recovery process begins on page 9. Begins on page 9 when he sees Evie and he sees he sees a living example. And not just not just a living example, but he, he knew Evie when Evie was hopeless. And when Ebby had either insanity, death, or to be locked up, Ebby was just like Bill. He was just like Bill. He was exactly like Bill. And in a way, this story that we're reading from Bill is probably really similar to what Bill was telling Dr. Bob when they were um, 
when they were when Dr. Bob was really AA number two. So Doctor so Bill was probably to Dr. Bob like Abby was to Bill. So re- reading this this book, I sort of put myself in the situation as if I'm like Dr. Bob. Dr. Bob, and I'm trying to trying to piece together, am I like Bill? Is there hope for me? Is there somebody like me who is now recovered? And finally, oh man, for me, when I'm reading these paragraphs, I, um, if I turn these statements into questions, into questions that I can ask myself, ask myself to really, really relate, it it really helps me. Um, it helps me, and so for example, a question was was for me: Am I able to just be willing to believe? Just willing, just willing to believe in a power. That's it. You know, and and once I did that, did growth start? Did growth? Am I building a foundation? Did I have a friend? Did I? Did I know somebody or see somebody or hear somebody recovered that had a foundation? Um, so that's helpful. Uh, thank you, I'll pass. Thank you, Lauren. Paula? And thank you. And this would be Paula, Recovered Compulsible Rita. You know, as I was listening, and I continue to listen, then my willingness, but it says that word conception, that's beginning. That's the beginning. That's all it is. And then it goes on. It was only a matter of being willing to believe in a power greater than myself. Nothing more was required of me to make my beginning. How often I thought so much more was required of me, and that is what stopped me. It did not stop me. And then I realized, no, nothing more. That's it. Just being willing. And I saw that growth could start. Now, another time he uses the same word, all meaning the same thing, a beginning. Start from that point. Did you ever see in a race, they always have a starting point? And that's it. That was the starting point for me. Upon a foundation of complete willingness, that's it. Now, be very clear here. He uses another word to enhance the word complete. As little as I had, it was total and it was complete, and that's what I began with. I might build what I saw in my friend. He saw something that he wanted, and then he ends with, would I have it? Of course I would. If it was available for him, then it's available for me, but I must be willing. And that I was and that I am. And thank you for allowing me to share. with that, I do pass. Thank you, Paula. Elaine? This is Elaine, Recovered Compulsive Overeater. Can you hear me? Yes, Elaine. Thank you so much. This is one of the most beautiful things that I have found um, in the big book and in the program. I think it's absolutely brilliant because so many people have preconceived notions. Even Bill talks about his, his grandfather's perceptions of church and comments, and those tend to shape our... Uh, sort of understanding and um, idea of God. And 
religion. Um, I think probably the worst conception of God is the people that are in different religions and do things in the names of every religion in the world. Um, if you look at those uh those things that have been done in the name of God, how easy it would be to not want to have anything to do with that God (laughs) or to turn to that God in a time of need, of hopelessness, of powerlessness. And yet this is a great equalizer where um, people can come in and they're allowed to let go of the conceptions that they heard at school, on the news, in newspapers, from family, from friends, from people they've bumped into that have stepped on their toes along the way, and to begin to open themselves up to that sunlight of the spirit. We find later on as we progress in the program that there are other things that block us from the sunlight of the spirit and that we need to get those things out of the way in order to receive the maximum benefit of a relationship with God. This is only the beginning. It says that in the 12th step that um, we have a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps. So um, just beginning to be open to the concept of the power of God, uh, that isn't... In some cases, it is a lightning flash experience, um, but in other cases, it's slower. It's a process, and um, and so I just I think it's absolutely wonderful for uh, for the big book to brilliantly put this in because it helps people lay down those conceptions and begin a journey that can lead to a spiritual awakening sufficient to bring about recovery and a change of life. That's a, a way of living that's second to none that I never conceived of before. And, you know, there may be people listening on the line today that are that are bristling at the thought of God, that are bristling at uh, things they've seen people do or say or whatever. And um, so this is just an invitation for you to begin to lay down those conceptions and experiences and um, and begin to look a new way to let the sunlight of the Spirit um, begin to guide, you know, begin to guide you into uh, freedom and into recovery. And uh, though some people may have come to scoff, may they stay to pray. (laughs) So thank you so much for letting me share. With that, I pass. Thank you, Elaine. Janice? Thank you, Rebecca. And good morning. My name is Janice M. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Let me see what's left. Okay. You know, when Ebby came to Bill and um, it seemed like a new idea. Oh, my, a new idea. That's nice for me. And um, I, I'm going to just say thank God for this statement because this is what opens the door for millions of us. Because when you tell me, when I'm allowed, <laughs> when I'm allowed to have my own conception or my own idea of anything, <laughs> I love that. Let me believe what I want to believe. Don't tell me what to believe. Don't tell me how to believe. You know, give it, leave it up to me. Always oh, a compulsive overeater. Love that. I don't know about you. But when you tell me that, I say, okay, thank you. Let me believe and be willing to believe what I want to believe, my own idea of God. Then that sounds good to me. That's good enough. And uh, with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Janice. Barbara? Did you say Barbara? I did. 
Okay, thank you. This is Barbara. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. And um, as I look at this paragraph and the preceding paragraphs, I'm, I'm focusing on that, um, you know, nothing more was required for me to make a beginning. I've spent a lot of time this week going back to beginnings, my beginnings in OA back in 1975, uh, because of the passing of Roseanne, the founder, and because of yesterday's being the um, 54th anniversary of the starting of OA in California in 1960. So I've spent time uh, walking my journey. And what I'm remembering as I look at this is one of those early meetings when I needed, God provided, uh, someone at the meeting to begin to talk about food in terms of food being a false god. Because I hadn't gone there. I had spent a lifetime going to looking at, you know, binges and depression and all the, the price to be paid and the powerlessness. And when I came to OA, it was very clear I was powerless. It was very clear my life was unmanageable. But it wasn't until that meeting that it was clear to me that I had made food a god in those terms. And I was a very religious person, but being a religious person did not allow me to be free from the God I had made of food, but coming to OA uh, with the spiritual foundation and the practical plan of action, that provided the freedom. But this woman at the meeting was so graphic, and I'm remembering that she was talking about belief in God and making food a God and a false God, and she said, if food is your God, just take that bowl of food and put it on a chair, and put the chair on a table, and bow down. And that was an image to me that is so clear, it stays to this day. And that was a great beginning for me. And then, of course, the movement to God, and as it says, the big book, it's, it's the stories of how people came to God, the whole experiences, um, and finding a true God and the God within and all the other, you know, things that make up my own conception and anybody else's conception. But that was a breakthrough for which I'm very grateful. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Barbara. Did anyone else want to share on what was read so this morning? Eileen? Eileen, go right ahead. Thank you. This is Eileen, the compulsive overeater from Bedford, Mass. I totally agree with what um, Barbara was just talking about, except I have to put it in the present tense rather than the past, that food is a false god. That whenever I have food thoughts, I have to always remind myself that God is there for me. Um, Jesus is there. I have to believe in a higher power. And God is. He always is. And that when I think or I get absorbed in those food thoughts, and thank you, God, I no longer do. Um, but when I do, I have to remember that it's a false God, that it's not based in reality. It's based in fantasy. It was only a matter of being willing to believe in a power greater than myself. Yeah, it took me the willingness to surrender the food. The next willingness was to believe that there was a power greater than I mean. 
Nothing more was required of me to make my beginning go true. You know, it took me a very long time to get this fellowship, to get this program, and that's where it all starts with the willingness to surrender the food and the willingness to believe in a power greater than yourself. And like, you know, we were just hearing, choose whatever your own conception of God is. You know, um, what you were taught in your religion um, or not. You know, I always shunned uh, the belief of God in my religion. I grew up Catholic, you know, and I didn't go to church for many, many years, but now I do. Um, because I do believe that a God of my own conception is out there listening to me and worrying about me and wanting only the best for me. So, thanks. I'll pass. Thanks, Eileen. Anyone else? Hi, hi I'm Barbara. Hi, Barbara. Go right ahead. Hi. Um, I... I it's interesting because I um, believed in something, but I was so numb to it, and I didn't know what that something was. And food didn't become anything godlike for me, except um, it didn't become God for me. But what it did become is a vehicle that was put in front of me that I um, thought came from someplace. Like, I, I kept saying to myself, there has to be a reason, like, why I'm, like, doing this. You know, like, why this is my, you know, whatever. But um, I don't know what that is. So was it, you know, um, a vehicle to um, higher power so that I'd, I don't know. Because sometimes I, you know, have other things that I do that could be um, considered self-defeating and self-destructive. And now that I have gotten past that, I just, that's what I say to myself, okay, you know, God, um, this is here for a reason, so I'm going to welcome this and I'm going to do something with it. Um, that's all I wanted to share. Thank you. Thank you, Barbara. Why don't we move on to the next paragraph? Esther? Are you available to read, Esther? Good morning. My name is Esther. I'm a compulsive overeater in Canada. Thus I was convinced that God is concerned with us humans when we want him enough. At long last, I saw, I felt, I believed. Scales of pride and prejudice fell from my eyes. A new world came into view. So this new world that is coming into view for Bill was a world that would now in include God, his higher power. And what what does he write has, had been keeping him from coming to believe? Pride and prejudice. So when he came to finally reach his rock bottom, that did a very good job of removing for him, you know, his curtain of pride. And now these discussions that he's having with Ebby and then Ebby's su ultimate suggestion that Bill chooses his own conception of a, of a God, that would be for him the prejudice now melting away. So now he's able to see see the world in a new way. And, and Bill is now poised to begin a relationship with his higher power. He hasn't actually done anything yet other than come to the conclusion that he needs a higher power. 
And I remember when I was at this point of my recovery in step two, and I'm grateful that I was taught this step with the simplicity that it really is. Because at this point, I was only willing to believe. At this point, I didn't know yet what would be required of me, what God would have me be or do, how I'm supposed to pray, how I'm supposed to meditate, how I'm supposed to worship or anything like that. This is just coming to believe. However, we need to come to that conclusion is going to be different for everybody, but coming to the conclusion that we need to believe, we need to do that, and then we need to move on and make some decisions based on those conclusions. But really, it was stressed to me at this point just to keep it simple. Um, come to the place where I you know, had a concept of a higher power and believe that that higher power could help me with my problem with food and then just move on from there. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Esther. Who would like to share on this paragraph? Yael? Yael, go right ahead. Yael? Yes, Yael. Thanks. Hi, this is Yael. Thank you. Uh, Yael, a compulsive overeater from Israel. Um, I just wanted to share something very nice, uh, interesting and nice that I heard about pride and and about God's will. And... um, Really, uh, ultimately, what does God want? God wants that we unify and we become one with each other and with him. And that's, that's ultimately the goal. And um, how do we do that? By removing our pride. And how do we remove our pride? So one way to remove our pride is by numbing our feelings. And if we numb our feelings, then guess what? When you're totally not feeling anything, so your pride is aside because you're not feeling anything. That's one way to do it. Or, um, but, but you're not achieving the goal of uh, creating a relationship with your higher power. And the other way to be able to, um, to remove your pride is, is to work the steps and, and to become one with him. So I just found that really, um, uh, it, you know, interesting of, Getting to the same place, removing your pride, but from totally opposite directions, and which one are you going to choose? Thanks for letting me share. Thanks, Ayel. Hi, I'm Sheila. May I share? Sheila. And then Kim. Sheila, go right ahead. Thank you. Thank you for your service. I just wanted to identify in and say at this point what became real for me was that I was choosing... um, food over the relationship to the power greater than myself. Um, food had become, at that point, a comforter, a best friend, a confidant, and um, the work was just relying and having just the willingness, just the willingness to believe that God can and will replace that, that need for that. And... Um, it's been a wonderful journey. With that, I'll pass. Thank you, Sheila. Kim? Good morning, Rebecca. Good morning, all. My name is Kim G, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. Thus, I was convinced that God is concerned with us humans when we want him enough. You know, the way Bill's story is laid out is very similar to the way that the big book is laid out. You know, one through eight is that descent into the disease where he becomes convinced that he is an alcoholic and that he is powerless. 
So that's step one. In the big book, we have a lot of information on that. We have doctor's opinion explaining the diagnosis. We have Bill's story, which is showing us a living, breathing example of what, step, of what that looks like. There is a solution. The first half of that chapter is telling us the difference between the moderate eater, the heavy eater, the true compulsive overeater. So that we can be convinced, are we that true compulsive overeater? We're given a glimpse into that solution. And then, and then in more about alcoholism, we're going to be talked about the insanity of just treating the physical part of our illness. What is it like to just be sober only? Which Bill experienced over and over again in this story. He could get sober. He could not stay sober. And then we're introduced into we agnostics, which is not going to teach us about God. What it's going to teach us is our need for God. So one through eight is, the, is the coming to that conclusion we're powerless. We're now in steps eight through 12, I mean pages eight through 12, and we're being, you know, getting to that conclusion we need a power. So that's what he's being convinced of. He's being convinced that he needs that power. And how is he going to get that power? He needs to want that power enough. You know, that's the conclusion he's coming to that he needs that power, he wants that power. For me, I always explain the transition is I believed in a God, and I believe God believed in helping world hunger. But he didn't have time for Kim's hunger. It wasn't a personal God. He's recognizing now if he is truly powerless, he's going to need a power to help him with this problem. You know, step one is coming to the, idea, coming to the conclusion that my ideas don't work. And in step two we're coming to the conclusion that this power seems to work for others. I don't know if it's going to work for me, but I trust that maybe these other people on the line, it works for them. Bill began to trust that it worked for his friend, and he understood his friend was as powerless as him. So what's going on? He's feeling that he a need for that power. He wants that power. Okay, so he feels the need. It's changing to wanting it now. And now on page 13, when we go ahead, he's going to take action on getting that power. So we're going to see, even though that steps one and two are simply conclusions, the bulk of the book is going to try to get us to come to those conclusions, because until we come to the conclusions, we're not going to be willing to take the action. Our big book is laid out the same way. There's going to be a lot of information and a lot of of we're going to have to come to the conclusion we're powerless. We're going to have to come to the conclusion we need that power. And once we come to that conclusion, the action steps are going to go quickly. But if we don't fully come to the conclusion we're powerless, if we don't fully come to the conclusion that we need this power, we're not going to make the decision to seek that power, and we're not going to take the action steps with the tenacity we need in order to do this. So this is so key, 8 through 12, pages 8 through 12. He is now becoming convinced convinced that he needs this power and that this power will come to him if he wants him enough and if he takes the steps, if he takes the action steps, that's going to get him access to that power. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim. Anyone else? Janice, just briefly. Rebecca? Janice M. Janice. Yes, thank you again, Janice um, M., Recovered Compulsive Overeater. Let's remember now here the stage that Bill's at. Bill is still drinking, and he cannot stop by himself. 
He knows he can't stop from will, his own willpower. He knows he can't stop from the from the knowledge that he got from Dr. Silkworth. He knows that his, you know, no matter what he does, or no matter how, what he relies upon, um, money or whatever, he cannot stop. He's still drinking, you see. So um, it's very important because until I come to that point of pain, I can't stop. I can't, there, there's nothing else I can do. When all my reservations are gone, there's, not, there's no other method left, then pain will do it because if I'm not convinced, because remember, no doctor convinced me, no husband convinced me, nobody convinced me, no, no meeting, no recovered person. You know, I wasn't convinced until I had that pain that I was, hope, you know, I felt hopeless. It seemed hopeless. And then, so he's still drinking. Now watch what happens. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Janice. Did anyone else want to share on this paragraph? Well, this is Rebecca, and I so appreciate everyone's sharing and feel that it's been so thorough. Um, I just wanted to mention about scales of pride and prejudice fell from my eyes, and I've shared this before on the line, that um, I learned that scales of pride fell from my eyes, or the scales falling from my eyes is a reference, is a biblical reference, and uh, Pride and Prejudice, I think, is a reference to uh, the book that was popular at the time by Jane Austen. And um, he does a great way of um, helping people identify in by bringing up references to things that people can relate to when they're reading this book. And at the time, those were two things that were prominent. Um, I also want to share that um, with regard to Bill's pride and prejudice, that is what he spoke about earlier in this chapter. Uh, the first part of this chapter is about how his pride uh, got in the way from him connecting with God in Winchester Cathedral, and he uh, saw himself as a leader of great enterprise and he had a lot of pride that um, stood in his way of seeing that he was powerless over the illness of alcoholism. And I've had a lot of pride myself that kept me from seeing that I had a problem with food. And um, he also had a lot of prejudice against religious people and those he believed who believed in God, he believed were weak. And um, I could say the same thing about myself, so I can identify with Bill. And thank God um, someone like Ebby came to me and showed me that I could choose my own conception of God and led me to be willing to believe in that and to be um, to admit complete willingness, which was the beginning of my recovery, and a new world did come into view, and I did see growth that could start from that point in myself. And with that, I'll pass. 
Does anyone else want to share on this paragraph? Hi, this is Jenica. I'd like to share. Go ahead, Jenica. Hi. Um, hi, I'm Jenica. I'm a compulsive eater in Pennsylvania. And um, what struck me in this paragraph was um, that God is concerned with us humans when we want him enough. And I, um, the way I initially hear that is, oh, if, if we want something bad enough, then, then God will kind of perk up and uh, then be concerned. But after listening to people's shares and, and thinking about that for a little bit, what comes to me is that I, the way it, it would work better for me to hear that is, is that God is always concerned with us humans in every little detail. But when I, I need to want him enough to be able to be willing to do anything about it, to, to tap into that um, help and power that is all, always there. Um, so that's all I have. Thanks for letting me share. Thank you, Jenica. Would anyone else like to share on this paragraph? Hi, it's Leanne. Hi, I'm Leanne. Um, recovered for today. This is reminding me of um, the prejudice that I was raised with. I come from a small town in Pennsylvania, and everybody had the same way of doing God. Everybody had the same religion. We all had the same mindset. And this is... Um, reminded me of how when I was read this book and I was told to write down, you know, what my God would, you know, what kind of God would work for me, slow by slow, the fear of having to think a different way was was being removed because my desperation was so great, my pain was so great. I did everything in my religion up there to to, to, to find relief. Um, I did all the religious practices like triple of what other people did, and I couldn't find them. I was just so stuck and blocked, and it was a real, real step of faith for me to break out of that and do something different. And I remember in my first two years of um, doing it different, my parents would send me um, newspaper clippings of cults, and you know they were so afraid that I had joined a cult and that I was really going off the deep end. But I needed such a strong dose of God to make any kind of progress out of the pit that I was in. And they, they couldn't understand why I would leave my, my religion. Um, and I, um, I've i come full circle since. You know, I had to leave and break away from all that my family instilled in me and taught in me. They weren't hungry I mean, that worked for them, but I needed a deeper, deeper uh, way of reaching God because my problem was so devastating and life-threatening, and I was so hungry for God that I, um, yeah, I had to leave and try a different way and really remove all that prejudice that I was raised with. It was a real um, step of faith to do it, and um, that religion was on my resentment list. And today I have come full circle, and now that I have um, the God of my understanding as a real part of my life, I can see the benefits, and I can see that I've been brought up to the place 
where people who can uh, embrace religion are, but I had to do a lot more work to get there, you know, um, a lot more work just to, <laughs> just to get on par with people who are not addicts in order to accept and embrace and, and you know, implement religious practices in my life. So um, that's what that reminded me of today with the, the, the scales being removed. So that's all. Thank you. Yeah, um, this is Rochelle. Can I share? Judy F. Yeah. Rochelle and then Judy F. Okay, so kind of quickly, this is, uh, thank you, this is Rochelle currently in Israel. Um, responding to the comment uh, about... Can you check the The scales of Pride and Prejudice fell from my eyes. Um, the book Pride and Prejudice Rochelle, we lost you. Press star one to unmute. Hi, can you hear me now? I can hear you, Rochelle. Before you continue, if you're not Rochelle, could you please mute your phone? What time is my appointment on Wednesday? Someone someone speaking about an appointment, could you mute your phone, please? I would like to speak. Okay, so thank you, Rebecca. Um, this is Rochelle currently in Israel. Um, the, I want to respond to the, the part about the scales of Pride and Prejudice fell from my eyes. Uh, the movie Pride and Prejudice, it was made into a movie in about 1940, so I'm not exactly sure when this, this part of the book was written or that he's referring to. But if it was, if you're referring to about that time, then uh, the, the Pride refers to... Uh, the misconception that the heroine had about this fellow, Mr. Darcy, and and the uh, prejudice was also the prejudice that she had against him before because of her misconception of why he seemed kind of aloof and remote. But once she had uh, the information that um, he was an apparent an apparent prejudice, an apparent apparent pride, and therefore her apparent prejudice. Those things fell away because she then had a correct perception of the person not being at all arrogant, and the pride, the prejudice was lost. So I think that perhaps that helps with understanding that reference because it was simply a change of perception, which we would say perhaps that psychological change, that move that we have when we have resentments against other people, that when they fall away and we can see people from a different perspective, perhaps for saying the, um, what is the set-aside prayer, for example, um, then we see things a lot differently. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Rochelle. Judy F.? Judy F., press star 1 to unmute. Hi, can you hear me now? Yes. Okay, sorry about that. This is Judy F., Recovered Compulsory Reader from Massachusetts. Uh, What a great meeting. Thank you for your shares, and thank you, Rebecca, for your service. What I wanted to just point out, um, the sentence, at long last I saw, I felt, I believed. And for me, it was a process um, coming to believe, and I think that's why that step two is we came to believe in a power greater than ourselves to restore us to sanity, not we believed in a power greater than ourselves. Because for me, it was a process. And um, when I came in, I did have a lot of prejudice and fear and of a negative higher power. And 
um, I was given the instructions to write a one ad on what I would want me, what I would want in a higher power, what I needed in a higher power. And um, I didn't believe in it. I mean, I didn't, I thought it was a stupid exercise, but I was desperate. I had reached such a hopeless state of mind and body that I knew for sure that my ways weren't working. My, the compulsive eating, the restriction, the bulimia, all the ways I was trying to control uh, the food and my life. And um, so I was willing to write it down. And then that grew over these last 22 and a half years that has grown into such a deep connection. And I don't have to even fully understand it, but that did come that I saw because I, when, I, when I practiced that believing and then I could look back and see then how God was helping me and where he was in my life, that then gave me that confidence that there was a higher power that loved me, cared for me, and was uh, guiding me. So it was a process for me, and I just followed the directions. Um, I shut my mouth and just followed the directions because my way didn't work, and with that, I passed. Thank you, Judy S. Is there anyone else who would like to share on this paragraph? Hi, this is Lisa. Go ahead, Lisa. Yeah, just reading the big book and seeing how full of pride I've been. I mean, I've done the process once and then going through and reading with all of you guys. I mean, I think pride and my pride and ego were the only things I had. And I thought that someday I was going to be rich and famous and that would solve all my problems while not taking my personal inventory and doing a daily 10, 11, and 12 and not seeing who I really am. I mean, my my life was shot through with pride and ego and and when I started listening to the um, vision for you and hearing all these people doing this work and being so transparent with their their character defects and that I, I wanted to be like you guys and I wanted to step up to the plate and, and do the daily temp step and I've made um, I thought I'd made all my amends but I'm going through again and there's a lot more amends that God is bringing to my mind and that is a life second to none, really, to be able to throw away the scales of um, pride and prejudice and, and just the scales of who Lisa was all these years. You know, I'm 54 years old, and t- I feel like I am totally being reborn. You know, I feel like I, I just I want to sing it from the mountaintops, you know. And I, I think they would think I was weird if I got up on the mountaintops here in Colorado and saying, you know, Big Book Step Study saved my life, but that's what I feel like singing. So I'm really, really grateful to be here, and I'm going to keep coming back. With that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Lisa. Thank you to everyone who has shared. We will now close with the reading from the Big Book on page 164, followed by the Serenity Prayer. Will Judy B. please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Good morning, Rebecca. Thank you for your service. This is compulsive overeater. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. 
The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.